you're about to enter the world of Strawberry Ice and the Ice Cave. Let's go! You know, league, the league rule was you're not really supposed Probably to take him out of that conversation. In that he started from absolute draft. I would draft Aziz Ojolari or any. any uh, nobody's doing seven step drops in playing, right you know, playing tackle for him. So right. It's 22 years old. Devonta Smith, same thing. You, you, you just can't. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. I thought that in 2010 that he should be in the Hall of Fame, and they put him in after he is gone. Well, I want to fill the stadium. Yeah, I, I remember you guys saying that. It's crazy. Saying? I, I see that he's taken uh, the non. But overall, that that line wasn't better. No, um, I, you know, they still... you know, he's talking to the refs and, and saying, "Hey, I'm not going to get those calls." He's, he's coming. He, he, what, he's oh, yeah. coming. And he's being section 158 with me. So we're... these guys have learned basically since they've been in the major leagues. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of Ken Rowley and Ken Anderson, who are the newest, well, original nominees to be inducted to the Bengals Hall of Fame. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit the like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,242 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, this show and every show is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And as always, we're doing super chats in the YouTube channel. So if you guys like to support what I'm doing, go to the YouTube channel and give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, yesterday it came out that Ken Anderson and the Rattler Ken Riley are in the inaugural class of the Ring of Honor. So I had to go to my man, Ken Riley. Let's Kenny, what's going on, man? Hey, nothing much. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on, and congratulations, man. How how excited are you guys and your family? Uh, we're extremely excited. Uh, it's a big honor for my father, and uh, so excited he could be a part of the inaugural, uh, like I said, Ring of Honor for the Cincinnati Bengals. Exactly, exactly. And uh, like I told you the other day, next stop is going to be Canton. It's going to happen. I'm hoping this year we'll see what happens, but I think it's it's awesome that that uh, the Bengals have finally done this, and and it's cool that he goes in with with Ken Anderson. And I don't know if you heard; uh, I'm sure you heard Ken Anderson and the great words he said about your father yesterday. And there's been so many nice things about your dad. Like Collins, Chris Collinsworth has said that you know he learned more from from your dad than than anybody else. What are some great or just fun stories? Uh, about your dad that that you haven't been haven't said yet because I know you've been on my show a couple of times you've been all over the place here here lately. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I have uh, any uh, other stories because there's a lot been said, but uh, definitely an honor and it, it really makes us me um, and my family feel uh, proud to hear like so many great speak so highly of my father, you know, from the Collinsworths, Ken Anderson, and. And uh, it's contemporary period too, you know. And I only like Mel uh, uh, Blunt, uh, James Lawson, and so many other players because it's, it's a brotherhood. But to have uh, so many people respect and speak so highly of them, uh, it really means a lot, and uh, makes us, you know, even that much more proud of us. And uh, like I said, it's, it's a great honor. 
Exactly. And I, I can't wait for uh, Thursday night football because that's when the, they are going to do the induction of your father. And they're also going to be uh, commemorating the 1981 Super Bowl team. So are they are, are, are you going to be giving a speech during this time or have you been told yet or, or how, how's all that going to go as far as you know? No, I think it's a, a ceremony at halftime. So uh, I know that the, it's the 40th year for the 81 anniversary team. And uh, I think they're inviting all of the finalists for uh, the uh, Ring of Honor. So it's going to be uh, a lot of, you know, former players. And it's going to be, a, you know, a great time. I don't think it's going to be a speech at that time because, like I said, it's just during halftime. I know they're going to have some other uh, activities uh the game, so at that time, I think it's like a, I don't know the details as of yet, but I know that uh, the celebration will be at halftime to honor the class of the uh, Ring of Honor. Well, it's going to be an absolute blast, and I just to let everybody know you you are, are celebrating your son's birthday today, so that, so that's why you're you're in a car, you're you're at a, at an ATV park, is that is that right? Yeah, it's in uh, Crosby, Texas, and yeah, that's what I have on the stage and the, the, the get up because he just turned uh, 16 yesterday. So we're here today celebrating his birthday. That's what made it, uh, yesterday even uh, that much more special because it was my uh, son's 16th birthday. He's Ken Riley III. So it was definitely uh, a, a great day yesterday to uh, celebrate my dad uh, being part of the, the our group class as well as my uh, son's birthday. He, the third, so it was a great day yesterday. Yeah, that that's that's a great birthday present, man. I mean, I I, I don't know. Well, I can think of one one maybe better day is, is when he gets in the can, but we'll we'll get there eventually. But I think, but that's that's great. It could it could have worked out better for you. I, I mean, I I'm so glad you you this is happening for for you and your family. And just real quick here, I, I know you want to get to your your son's birthday party. I appreciate you coming on, but. Can you discuss the the relationship that your father had with the Brown family uh, and what that it, means to them? Yeah, it means a lot because uh, he definitely, uh, his heart was always in Cincinnati and he stayed in contact with uh, uh, Mr. Mike Brown throughout the years, you know, definitely during the season, even through the good and bad times, they, he would always reach out and, uh, and call him. And, you know, from time to time, he would definitely uh, – have whatever they had a celebration or ask him to come up, he would come up. And if my father ever, you know, needed something from Brown, um, they've always been right there uh, for him and support him. So uh, definitely, uh, we owe a lot to the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, it's been a, you know, that gave him his start. You know, he was there for 15 years, so it's definitely a, a, a family, and Cincinnati would be always part of our family. And we appreciate, you know, everything that the uh, Bengals have done. And we appreciate the fans as well. You know, without the fan support, they've been big great, uh, especially on uh, the presence of social media. And I know that uh, they've had the, you know, the jungle to Canton. There was over 200 fans that, you know, traveled to Canton to uh, support the former Bengals great. So that's off to the fans of Hootie Nation. They've been awesome. Um, you know, like there's been nothing but love and support of, uh, Exactly. Very well said. I got a super chat here from Hank Carshell. I think I said, he says retire number 13, 13, $13 super chat in honor of Ken Riley. Now your dad's number isn't officially retired, but nobody's wore it 
in a game, right? We talked about this, I think, last time you were on the show. I think we thought a, a punter or something like that may, might have had it in the preseason, but nobody's actually wore the number 13 on the in a regular season game for the Bengals. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it's not officially retired, but uh, Coach Paul Brown told my father that nobody else was, was number 13. I think the only uh, – Bob Johnson, I think he was the first draft pick. I think he's the one that's only officially retired. But, you know, it's – Unofficial, but officially retired. Right. Uh, which, exactly. Uh, you know, it's, it's a cool thing. So. so when I went up to, to uh, the, the jungle to the hall up there, and I was wearing the, the, the shirt I got from you, and I got a lot of compliments on that. And I had lots of people ask me where I got it from, how do they get it. And so since you're on here, do you have any more? Are you making any more? Is there any way people can get these shirts? It's been a slow process. Uh, KenRiley13.org is where uh, his, his website for the Ken Riley Foundation. Uh, I'm still working on it, but yes, those shirts and a couple more will be available uh, in the support of the Ken Riley Foundation. So hopefully coming soon, I'll definitely uh, let you know and uh, I'll, I'll make sure on social media that they're aware uh, where they can purchase those shirts. Uh, but hopefully coming soon. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I don't want to keep you much longer. I appreciate you coming on. I'll let you get back to your son's birthday. This is a great – yesterday was a great day in Bengals history. I cannot wait till Thursday night to see you guys on the field. Hopefully I'll get to actually meet you in person. We can uh, yeah. hug it out, shake hands, celebrate. You know, it's, it's going to be a good day. So thanks for coming on, Kenny, and uh, you take it easy, buddy. All right, man. Thanks for having me. And as always, uh, you have a great show, and I uh, look forward to meeting you soon. Thanks, Kenny. Who day, buddy? All right, that was cool. I hope you guys enjoyed that. He was on his, like I said, he's at his son's birthday party. So I didn't really want to take up too much of time. He's been, you know, very, very free with his time. He's been on everybody's show or podcast. And, you know, I'm just, just a average fan with a, with a, a YouTube show slash podcast. So now I got to get to my original guest here. And we're going to talk some Reds here. I know I'm wearing Bengals stuff, but I was mostly because Ken Riley was there and all the stuff's going on, and I'm kind of extremely frustrated with the Reds right now. So let's try to have some fun, even though we're all irritated with what's going on with the Reds. Hopefully they'll turn around. But let's get to none other than from Locked on Reds, Jeff Carr. What's going on, Jeff? What's going on, Jeff? Good to be on the show again. And yeah, it, I mean, it wouldn't be Cincinnati sports without talking about something fun and something frustrating. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And I, dude, I, I right before the uh, All Star break, we I said uh, somebody challenged me on the show. Said uh, first they said if the Reds win the game Friday night against the Boozers, which I call the Brewers the Boozers, we <laughs> shotgun a beer. I said, how about this? I said they win the series going into the All Star break, I shotgun a beer. So. They won. I shotgunned a beer, did it on, on the show. Then get all high and all high on my horse. Like, man, you know what? That worked so well last time. If they sweep the, the boosters out of out of uh, the break, I'm going to shotgun a beer again. Nope. We got swept. We've won one game. <laughs> one. One game. Since the All-Star break. Nick Castellanos has micro fractures. The bullpen's in shambles. 
Is there any hope, Jeff? Can, can you give me some hope? <laughs> I believe so. I mean, there's some guys that are coming back here soon. Plus, you have the trade deadline. I believe they're going to do something. I don't think they're going to sit on their hands this year like they did this last offseason. Right. And I think they're going to make at least one or two moves should they deem themselves buyers, which I think that this weekend is going to go a long way to solidifying that uh, nomer. Yeah, and then we had – they did uh... – Make some moves today. If I can bring, I gotta bring the graphic up here. And well, when we say make moves, the thing I'm worried about is I don't want them to make moves to detract from the yeah. team. But here are the transactions that they made today. Unfortunately, Nick Castellanos has been placed on the 10 day IL, but that did enable them to bring up uh, Amir, or I mean, not Vladimir Gutierrez and Alejo Lopez. They also put Amir Garrett on the three day paternity list. Now, uh, go ahead and explain. You're explaining to me why they could bring up uh, Goody a lot faster than we thought they would. Yeah. So normally there is a minimum stay in the minor leagues once a player is sent down, but there is one caveat. If an injury takes place, that player can then be brought up within that minimum time frame. So otherwise, he, I think he would have had to stay until at least, um, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday something like that. So that's why they were able to bring him up so quickly. And it gives us a pretty quick answer as to whether or not Jeff Hoffman's going to get another start. No, I firmly I believe this not. means that Goody's going to get that next one. <laughs> I, I hope not. Now let, let's get into that. We were kind of talking about this uh, off air. David Bell, who I think, and I, and I think has done a really good job managing this year. I'll put that out there before I start crushing. <laughs> but he said, that he was going to have Hoffman start to give Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley a couple other extra days of rest because they pitched before the All-Star break and they pitched right after it. Yep. Well, what the hell happened? Then he set Gutierrez down and there's no rest. Where did that go? <laughs> I definitely think David Bell's an optimist, right? He <laughs> makes some bets and some moves and some gambles that seem like, boy, oh boy, if they pay off, they pay off in spades. It's like crazy crazy payoff and then when they don't it's very detrimental and now we're kind of looking at this like okay he came out of the all-star break with this six-man rotation idea firmly expecting Mally Castillo and Gray to pitch well in that weekend series against the Brewers and then get an extra day and then pitch well again in the weekend series against the Cardinals the problem was they pitched just okay I mean Castillo pitched the best of the three but he got his lead uh, taken away very quickly whenever the bullpen came in. So you look at that and you say, now if they don't pitch amazing against this Cardinals team this weekend, then that bet's going to be just so catastrophic because I think we all understood whenever Jeff Hoffman came back, his best role suited for him would be out of the bullpen, give him maybe one, two, maybe three good innings because stats show when a hitter has seen him more than one time in a ball game, mm -hmm. they just crush him. Whatever is coming to the plate is getting killed, and he doesn't throw a whole lot of strikes. Well, of course, that happened the first time through the order this last time, so hard to say there. But I think that we all now know that that was seriously a gamble that he would even pitch an okay four innings, and he didn't even do that. He got right. destroyed against yeah. the Mets. Was, yeah. So ugh, this, this has really put the Reds into a bind. And, and that's why I'm calling this weekend, a make or break weekend in terms of the season. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a very good point because we can go for what you said at the beginning of the, of the, when we start talking here is that they will do something at the, at the deadline. If this weekend, 
if they don't win the series and they are, I don't know, 10 games out, yeah, they might be doing something at the deadline, but it might be trading people away, which will really irritate the bejesus out of me because if they would have done something in the offseason or, I don't know, during the season to help the bullpen, we wouldn't be in this problem. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I will tell you this, Jeff. I'll, I'll, I'll talk you off the ledge just a little bit. Would you because- need help? They could sell a couple of guys. They could trade away a couple of guys with creative moves and reload for 2022. Not necessarily make trades with the idea of tearing down and rebuilding in a couple of years. They could trade guys like expiring contracts like Wade Miley, which would suck because we love Wade. They could trade Tucker Barnhart, which would suck because he's one of my favorite players that's ever gone the uniform. Mm -hmm. And they could trade Nick Castellanos if they can't figure out what he's going to do with that opt-out. And they can add pieces that will be strong a la uh, Trevor Bauer and a la Scott Rowland back in 2009 and right. get ready for a huge run in 2022. My my fear with trading Nick Castellanos is, which I mean, I, I hope they're going to sign him, but I don't know why he would decide to spend money now when he hadn't done it all year. Yeah. But with him out of the lineup, it is Huge. I mean, I think the team is completely different without Nick in this lineup. I think it's shown since the All-Star break. The offense has been okay. Yeah, we've had some games where we scored some good runs, but then we got blown out twice, you know? Yeah. So it's – he. this team has taken on his personality and everything, and I think he means more to this team than just a bat. And to me, that's more than enough reason for Bob to pick up the – or buy out the option. I don't think he's going to do it, but yeah, I would agree. And I mean, who knows what that number is? That's a territory hitherto unknown for most, you know, sports fans, let alone Reds fans. So what on earth Bob has to do. And the fact that he's got to negotiate with Scott Boris, it's not as if he's got a uh, super benevolent agent to deal with there. That's one of the uh, most ruthless and uh, does well for his clients, not necessarily so well for the team type guy. So that might be kind of rough. Plus you may not even get any sort of commitment as to what it would take. So I, I, it's such a sticky situation that I was really hoping the reds would be in firm competition, which, you know, there's still the weekend to do that, but we're talking about a three game series against the Cardinals that As of tonight, as they begin play Malley against Wade LeBlanc, the Cardinals are a half game behind them in the standings because the Cardinals have the same amount of wins and only one more loss than the Reds do at this point in the season. So, yeah, the worst case scenario is uh, by the end of this weekend, the Cardinals could jump us. (laughs) That would not be good. That would, that would, that that happens. They're going to pull the court on this, I think. I mean, I, I, like I said, I try to be as optimistic as I absolutely can, but I also try to be a realist about this. And I, if Bob hasn't done anything yet or let them do anything yet, I don't know if he's going to, but I got to get to crown, crown up kids here statement. And every single time I have a Reds person on here, he has to ask, at least he added Nick Lodolo to this, but ask him about Lodolo and Hunter green. Do you think they will, uh, I guess he's one of those, do they, will they be up this year? I think they might be up in September. And I've been telling Crown this all year, but what, what's your thoughts? <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting to see with Ladello because he's dealt with that blister issue right. mm-hmm. uh, for a 
good amount of time during the season. So they may want to be a little bit more cautious with them. I honestly think both of these guys are in the plans for opening day next year. I mean, as far absolutely. as being on the roster goes, yeah, absolutely. so whatever they do this year might just kind of be, you know, sour. I about said sour cream, whipped cream on top <laughs> of the uh, Sunday who puts sour cream on a Sunday. That, <laughs> oh, that's oh, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> tell you what the Reds need to win. I've got to get my mind right. right. Um, but, <laughs> But I, I think that it would just kind of be an added flavor. I don't necessarily look at Hunter Green or Nick Ladello as answers to questions that the Reds have in the bullpen right now, simply because I don't want them to stunt any sort of possible growth they might have. The right. priority for their top prospects this year, and I include Jose Barrero in this yes. too, is comfortable progression. And right. if you in any way damage that plan, then not only have you failed in the standings and in the win-loss column, but you also failed the future of your franchise. And I don't want them to do that in the slightest because right. these dudes, like Nick Ladello is projected to be a middle-of-the-rotation type pitcher for a long time. Hunter Green is projected to be like a Max Scherzer, like yeah. Cy Young Award candidate year in and year out. And if we do anything to damage that, and for some reason you see like in a role as Chapman scenario where he gets stuck in the bullpen, then that is a massive failure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've said that a couple of times there. That's one example is a role Chapman. The other one I, I always use is, is a uh, Homer Bailey. I, I think it's done in Homer Bailey's growth. And I don't know if Homer Bailey ever really got to the point where we all expected. Yes. Yes. He threw two no hitters, but he was never the man. Right. He was never the number one guy for the Reds. It just it just wasn't. And that's where I, I think Hunter Green can be. And Lodolo definitely could be a number two or number three starter for us in the future, for sure. I always think about Homer Bailey and the two no-hitters as kind of like what they talk about with like grading curves, mm -hmm. where you take out the highest and the lowest. So if you take out his best performances, the two no-hitters, and maybe like pick two of his worst performances, what was he? He was a pretty average pitcher. Yeah. The middle of the rotation guy that, you know, you were happy for the most part to see come out of the rotation, except for that last year, he was a red and yeah. that is not at all what I want to see. Now no. I say this with the caveat that Hunter green, so far as maturity, so far as understanding of the game. And so far as the fact that he is just one smart dude right. is completely different from Homer Bailey. Everything that I've ever heard anyone talk about Homer Bailey was he was one of the most talented dudes in the room, but he was outthought by half the roster. No matter right. who there was at least half the guys there that had better composure and was able to focus on each individual performance a lot more than Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey would get distracted by a bunch of different negative things and mm -hmm. negative mm -hmm. media attention and things like that. And that's just not something that Hunter Green is going to have affect him. I mean, you listen to this dude talk, and he already sounds like he's been playing the game for 10 years. I, exactly. I can't wait to see him get up to the major league. He's going to be so good for this team. Exactly, exactly. And uh, got a comment here from Jared Mayer. Uh, issues with Green is his command. I I agree with that. He, he needs to gain control of all of his pitches. That and that's I mean the only time I saw him pitch was in spring training when he threw 105 miles an hour, and that's what everybody's like, ooh what? he threw 105 miles an hour. Okay, Ross Chapman can throw 105 miles an hour. If he throws it down the middle, they're going to hit it. So he's like yeah. I agree with Jared. He's got to get control of this, and he's still working on that. I mean, he, he it's not like he's went to AAA and he's just dominated. I mean, he's had some games where he's given up some some hits and some runs and he's had some pretty good games. So I don't necessarily know if 
he might come up in September because the minor league season will most likely be over, so he can get some more, more innings in and some more work. But I, I don't see him or Lodolo coming up anytime before then. I don't think so either. And I, I remember reading an article, I think it was Bobby Nightingale had this article in the Inquirer, but he was talking with a couple of different AAA players, a couple of different, you know, opposing batters and things like that who had faced Hunter Green. And they said, you know, boy, he throws a really fast fastball, but as far as the secondary offerings, I'm not biting on those. So I'm right. waiting on the fastball. I'm trying to time it. I'm trying to catch up to it. So what are major league hitters going to do? They're going to be right, right on it from the word go. So he's got to make sure he can command, command those secondary pitches each and every time he goes to throw them and not just one out of every two or three times. So I say all that to say this, there's still plenty of room for him to grow before he makes it to the major leagues. Exactly. Now I got a comment from Tom Nikum. I think that's how you say his name. <clears throat> Do you think with all the trade talk, it could be getting to the players' heads and making them not focus? I personally don't because i don't think there's that much trade talk to be honest yeah i i I don't think so i I don't think it's the trade talk i think it's the hey we scored seven runs in the first two innings against the mets and then the bullpen blew it (laughs) that's gotta wear on you i mean that 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 has got to be hard i mean i love across the board yes (laughs) i i i love the team that they don't quit but geez oh man you gotta be sometimes they gotta be sometimes looking at the bullpen going hello (laughs) Yeah. What what are you doing? You know, you guys have pitched in the majors. I mean, dude, they've like I said, they we had a seven run lead or seven to three lead against the the Mets or seven seven three yeah seven three. They lost that. They gave up. I'll never forget this. A six run lead in one inning in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Mentally, how do they keep coming back from this? And eventually, it's got to get just. I'm frustrated. I can't imagine (laughs) being a player with going through this. Right. And that's the thing that we all, it it takes me a moment, especially whenever it happens during the game to kind of remember this, these dudes are humans too. So like, they're going to be really like as much anger as we might have to a blown lead. They probably have more and it's not a thing that they can get into the dugout and express their anger to their teammates because their teammates are going to look at them sideways. This is kind of like the thing, like if you're at your daily job and, you know, Johnson's over here in the corner messing up, then you're not going to like just sit there and, you know, bellyache about it right there in the office. You're going to wait till you get home. That's what these guys are doing. They're not going to do that in the, in the locker room or the dugout or something like that, because that fosters negative energy within the team. I think that Mm -hmm. these guys probably go home and they just stare at a wall for like an hour. Like, what do we got to do? How many runs do we have to get? Yeah. (laughs) Like Like, do uh, a shot for every run. We got to get next game to get a better lead. Like, come on. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I I was listening to a, to Lance McCowser the other night, and and I, it, when you you said that, it just triggered uh, a, something that a caller caller of his brought up. I'm talking about Adu Hayden Suarez and how frustrating it is to watch him. And he's like, that guy, he he struck out, and, and all he did was drop his bat down and set his helmet down. Man, he should be breaking his bat, and throwing it. I'm like, dude, seriously, what? That doesn't do any good. Oh, yeah, it makes us feel better. Like, okay, he does care. Trust me, he cares. He he doesn't want to strike out. But if good, 
If he'd have done it after that at bat, then why didn't he do it after all the other strikes? I right. mean, he would have yeah. gone through a lot of bats this year if he'd been doing yeah. that. <laughs> well, that's what kills me about sports fans in general. They're always like, you got to have the raw, raw. You got to get in somebody's butt. You got to get us. <laughs> no, if you do, especially baseball, if you're playing 162 games, you cannot go up and down and up and motion like this. You're going to be wore out by, by, by the all-star break. And that's one thing I love about Nick Castellanos. He's very calm and cool you know, in, in this demeanor. And that's what you have to do to be a professional athlete. You have to be calm. You have, you have to take the ups with the downs. And, you know, I, I don't know if Gino's going to have an up <laughs> anymore. I mean, I, I, when Lance was on the show with me a couple of weeks ago, and I think I said this with you before, when you've been on the show a couple of times, I think this is more of what Gino Suarez is now. I mean, it's been more than a year. I mean, it's uh, 60 games last year. Uh, you know, we're over 60 games. We're what? They're at 90 something games now, aren't we? Something like 95 mm-hmm. games or something like that. Yeah. So we're well over a year of baseball. And this is the way it hits. I mean, yep. I, I, and I, I think, unfortunately, I think we're stuck. We went from having this great contract for a guy who's hitting almost 50 home runs to, oh man, we're stuck with this guy who can't, you know, hit his way out of a wet paper bag and we're paying him $11 million a year. I don't yeah. know what to do with, with Gino. I mean, I, I don't know. it's unfortunate because I was thinking in May, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's no way he's definitely going to bounce back. He's going to have a much better year. Now you got to look at it and you got to wonder, is he going to get to that threshold? And you know, batting average is not really a great, uh, measuring stick anymore. It's part of the picture. It's not the whole picture, but when you look at that part of the picture and you say, is he going to get to 200 or more by the end of the season? I think most people would say no. A lot of people would love to be optimistic and say yes, but the biggest question with him is what is up with that shoulder? Because Mm -hmm. ever since he dealt with that injury before the 2020 season, and then it got pushed back, and then he finally came out in July, ever since 2020, he has been a different player that does not have good at-bats. He's got some at-bats where it looks like he is determined to swing at whatever pitch comes up there and he strikes out. And then he's got some at bats where it looks like he is determined to either only swing at pitches right down the middle or to draw a walk. And then he strikes out looking. It's just, it's very frustrating to watch a Eugenio Suarez play baseball right now. Mm -hmm. And I think they've got to be honest and figure out, is it the shoulder? Because he's got a completely different player over these last two years. He's missing balls that he he didn't miss. I mean, he, he had a very, very quick bat on the inside pitch. He's missing those. I mean, they're right there. And I'm like, I know two years ago he would he would get yanked those out of the ballpark, and he's missing them. Those are, that's that's the part that scares me because I can see pitches that I know he used to hit, and he and he's either late or he's swinging over the top of them. It's it's just not there. And I mean, Jared has another a good comment here, which he's still on pace for 30 homers and 100 RBIs. He's Donkey Junior, which that's a reference to Adam Dunn. Which actually, have you listened to? Uh, Sean Casey's uh, uh, podcast, The Mayor's Office. Oh, yeah, that's I, awesome. I, I love that podcast. And I'm Sean Casey, I know you're watching. Someday come on my podcast. I would, I would appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but he had Adam Dunn on there. And I always wondered this about Adam. When Adam first came up, he was a very selective hitter. He he, he could hit for average. I mean, David or uh, uh, Bob Boone had a leadoff because he was such a good uh, player of getting on, on base. And I was wondering what the heck happened. And he didn't name any names, but he actually said that he had a off-season hitting coach that people warned him about, don't use, because they'll mess your swing up or whatever. And he didn't listen. And he said he, he used it anyway. And that kind of messed his swing up, gave, got him into bad habits. He said that I could never 
get out of. And I'm yeah. wondering if, if this kind of correlates to what, what Gino's doing. He's got something there he just can't fix. It's highly possible. And, and the interesting argument with Gino is that I forget what year is either 2015 or 2016. It's between him and Mike Trout as the most home runs in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he still has the power. The only thing is when you look at the composite statistic of OPS plus, which is another great tool, a little bit better than batting average to kind of see the whole picture as to what Gino brings to the plate. We're talking about numbers like 144 for Nick Castellanos in the OPS plus round, 126 for Jesse Winker, 109 for Joey Votto, 113 for Jonathan India. Eugenio Suarez is at 56 Ooh. and 100 is league average. So right. he's almost 50% worse than a league average hitter. That is, those are numbers that are lower than Billy Hamilton, lower than Jose Peraza names from the past that when you say immediately, like to fans this year, they're like, Oh yeah, those guys glad we moved on from them. Same conversation. And the thing is, I don't see anybody. Like, I, I can't see a team out there just saying the off season is going, you know what? We need to trade for Gino. I think, I think yeah. we, we trade for him and he, you know, he, he's going to come here and, and get back to the old Gino. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And that, to me, going to this offseason presents a problem because Jonathan India, in my mind, there you don't move him from second. He's your future second base. You keep him there. Uh, you have Mike Moustakis, yeah. who, who's a third baseman. You have Gino, who's a third base. Both of them are signed. Moose has got another what two two more years on his contract. What do you do at third base? I mean, neither one. We're not. You and me both said put Gino, you know, at shortstop at the beginning of the year. Forget it. Don't put that Gino at shortstop. Nope. It did not work. <laughs> yeah. Don't do we it. We were wrong. <laughs> yeah, we were wrong. Don't do it. I mean, I, I think I think Jose Barto is probably be, could be our, our opening day shortstop next year. Should be. So what do they do? I mean, well, that, I, I don't. I mean, well, it could help. Now, one thing somebody did bring this up. If they bring it, and my dog is trying to get into the conversation too. Um, if the National League gets the DH next year, that could help the Reds out as far as getting. Moose and and Gino in the lineup, which I mean, I think Gino would be the DH and Moose would be your your third baseman because Moose is a, a way better defensive third baseman than Gino is. But just what's your thoughts in general about the future of the third base and what what you think they might do? It's it's going to be interesting because I I've really at least over the last couple of weeks I've been trying to implore whoever from the Reds front office might actually listen to the Lockdown Reds podcast to be realistic about this, to look at this objectively, because is Gino a nice guy? Yeah. Is he awesome one of the guy. fan favorites? Sure. Yes. Is he like an awesome guy to root for because of his personality, his family man style, all this other stuff? Absolutely. But when it boils down to it, we're talking about wins and losses. We're mm -hmm. talking about runs scored. We're talking about hits and batting average and things like that. And he has not really helped out in that regard these last two years. I mean, he has right. been a detriment in the lineup this year. So many missed opportunities. We're talking about runners with scoring position. He doesn't look good. He doesn't look good in any situation this year. It's, it's been really frustrating to watch. And like, I even go back to just this past Monday, whenever the Mets were handing out runs like candy in the first couple of innings, because all of the bad defense and stuff, dude still went over. He didn't right. get a hit in that game. And right. those are the kind of games that even the average players use to get right. I, that's, I the, just, that's, the, that's the red flag right there. That, that's where that's, yeah. that's the, the part that scares me about, about this. You know, he, yeah. he can't, he's not the Gino of old. I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, 
I'm no expert, obviously. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, Jared has another comment here. And we, you and me are actually talking about this off air. He said, uh, I think he's hurt, which I don't know if he's actually hurt. I just don't know the shoulders back to normal or whatever. Uh, it's now time to look at Lopez. Is he? He's up. He looks really good. And I, I actually said that to you off the air. I said, I think they should bench Gino and, and put Lopez in there and at least see what the kid can do. I mean, he's hit at every level. To me, and I'm not... I'm not bagging the season, but you got to, if this kid is, is anything, you got to find out what you have. And if Gino isn't hitting moose is injured and he's coming back soon. Why not put Lopez out there at third base and see what he can do. I would agree with that. And I think it's interesting because when he was up the first time they gave him a couple of starts and he didn't quite take the ball and run with it then. Right. And so then they sent him back down. They were like, okay, that's it. That's all we need to see. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> need some more chances here for this right. poor kid. I mean, he's yeah. his first time up in the major leagues. So I think now is the time to look it up and or to check it out. What you got with Alejo Lopez. And here we go. We get the starting lineup for tonight's mm -hmm. game and, and Gino's, Gino's batting fifth and playing third base. Yeah. It's, I don't yeah. get it. I, I wish that they would give Lopez more of a run because I totally agree with the comment. Like he, Alejo Lopez has earned the chance, the opportunity yes. to do that. And he's gotten like literally three swings of the bat against. Well, the thing right? is it's, too, is, is, is if he is capable, prove he's capable of hitting in the major leagues, that's a potential trade piece. You know, if mm -hmm. you, you know, cause I'm sorry, he's going to be more, if he can hit in the, in the major league, he's gonna be more of a tradable asset. Than Moose or or Gino is because they're both older and they, and Moose has been injured prone the last two years for for the Reds. Gino can't hit. We need bullpen. Aleo Lopez is sitting right there. If he's proven he can hit, that's a, something a team would be looking at to trade for down the stretch in the offseason, something like that. Right, and I mean, you almost hesitate to say a take like this, but. Can Alejo Lopez be worse than a Eugenio Suarez? Sure, but what's that margin? Yeah. Not very big. Right. We're not talking about like a, oh boy, he's really big drop off in talent right now because Gino just hasn't shown it and he hasn't shown it over a big sample. We're not talking about like a month. We're not talking about, you know, 50, 60 at bats. We're talking about almost a full season worth mm -hmm. of games we're talking 156 games now yep. it's it's ridiculous the amount of data we have on him and the amount of struggles that he has had and the amount of just absolute free pass that the team has continued to give him and the it's yeah i i can't believe it i yeah i really wish that there was something more positive to say about gino because he's such a great <laughs> guy it's just been too. frustrating I, I love Gino. I think he's a great guy. He's a great guy in the clubhouse, but it's sorry. It's what have you done for me lately? And no matter if we like him or not, if you're not producing, you're not producing. Now, Crypt it, Keepers here wants to know when's uh, TJ Anton coming back. But I'll put it this way. What about what about the uh, Sims or uh, when Sims coming back, Senzel and Moose? What have, you, what have you heard about those guys? I know that Antone has started a bullpen session, so he should be close to a rehab assignment. Lucas Sims is currently on a rehab assignment, so hopefully within the next week or two, we should be seeing him back. Senzel as well is on a rehab assignment. The news is 
better about moose because for a long time, it's just every time they had an update about moose, it was negative, negative, negative. At least now they say that he's healthy. He's taking ground balls. He may be progressing to the thought of a rehab assignment coming up soon, but none of those guys are going to be back before the trade deadline. It's probably going to be early to mid August at the earliest before we see any of them coming back. Yeah. I mean, moose, he, we haven't seen him since May, yeah. May. If he comes back, if he comes back in August, I mean that's over half the season he missed. I mean, now again, I, I listen to lots of different podcasts, and you might have said it, I don't remember, but um, Nick Senzel has been taking grounders at shortstop there at GABP, and I think Larkin said this on the on the uh, broadcast that he didn't see them putting him at shortstop because Barrera was there, but somebody I can't remember who I heard it from, but somebody said that he's slated to to play at shortstop at, at Louisville. Is, is I correct on that? Or, or have you heard anything about that? Yeah. They said he's going to play mostly shortstop and third base there in Louisville, because I think they kind of know what they got in center field. They're not right. going to go too yeah. crazy with that. And and they know that he can play there. They, he doesn't have to play a ton of center to prove anything to anybody. But I, I think that it's more just a short term patch. I mean, that's basically all they've done at shortstop this season is, okay, well, who can get us there? Who who can get us to 2022? Because I don't know that they want to bring up Jose Barrero and hand him the keys to shortstop at any point this season. Maybe they bring him up in September and they kind of ease him in, mm-hmm. but at most it's going to be next year that Barrero gets that job. And I firmly believe he's going to be ready for it next year. And I don't think they're going to try and bring him up before he's ready. So that's why they're working him in, not necessarily as a long-term option, but as a, well, we definitely don't want to put Gino there. Uh, Farmer's got a nice glove, but his bat is really becoming a detriment because he, he gets a nice hit one out of every five at bats is kind of how it feels with Kyle Farmer. So you want to see if you can get the best of both worlds because Senzel's athletic and he's shown Mm -hmm. a good glove at second and third. He should, I, I believe for the last couple of years, I've kind of been saying, why not try him out at shortstop? And I think that they're finally just coming around to the realization that, well, need is the best creator. And right now we really need somebody to play shortstop. Yeah. They, they don't have a, a, a choice at this point. Now, Jared's got a or, interesting comment here. I think infill depth is or right now is insane. I know it's being a dead horse, but Senzel isn't the issue. The issue is Vado. Hmm. I'm not sure what issue Vado is is uh I don't know. I'll, I'll let you take that one because I know you're a huge Vado fan, so I'm, I'm kind of interested this in your is, comment on that one. This isn't really even being biased about him. Uh the expected statistics on baseball savant say that Joey Vado is one of the best hitters in the lineup. And in fact, whenever you take Nick Castellanos out of the lineup, Joey Vado is the best hitter in the Reds lineup, as far as average exit velocity goes, he hits the ball the hardest so far as expected batting average and expected slugging. He is up there as well. And they love exactly what he has done with his approach to hitting. That's why the Reds are batting him third and fourth in the lineup. They trust Joey Votto and the resurgence that he has made. Is he the best fielder at first? No, but what 37 year old first baseman was (laughs) right. Like that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, he you've seen what happens when he goes on the IL and they have to fill in with Tyler Stevenson and Alex Blandino. Mm-hmm. Stevenson did an admirable job, but the area where Joey Votto was far and away better than anybody who filled in for him at first base was scooping the ball 
Yep. He was a phenomenal stretch and scoop guy there at first base, and he really helps make a lot more outs than he gives up or than other guys help make with their ability to stretch and scoop because he's just that much better than anybody else on the roster. So I definitely don't think that Votto is any sort of issue at first base. In the future, will they look to put him at DH? Yeah, absolutely. But that's what you do when you're an aging baseball player. For the most part, in years past, if you're an aging first baseman, you look to go to the American League. Now, right. next year with the Red or with the Reds and the rest of the National League, hopefully getting the universal DH, that won't be a problem anymore. Right. And they still got him under contract for a couple of years. That's going to how they're be able to get the most out of what remains on his contract. I definitely don't see Joey Votto as anywhere near. In fact, he might be one of the strongest players outside of Jonathan India in the infield right now. I could have said it better because, I, I mean, I, I'm, I've been very, very pleasantly, I don't say pleasant, but very, very happy with the way Votto is batted this year. And, and it all yeah. changed last year, I think, when, you know, David Bell sat him down for those four games or whatever. And, and going into sh- spring training this year, I heard him make a statement say, I can't do the stuff that I used to do before. And he goes, I'm just trying to find a good pitch and do damage with it and not trying to be so particular all the time, which right. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how many Reds fans I've heard. I wish he'd just swing. I wish he'd just, just swing the bat. He does that stupid half swing. It just, he's waiting for the perfect pitch. Just swing. Well, this year, he's just swinging. So, Jared, I, I, I appreciate the comment. I just I don't get it. I wish you, you'd make another comment on here to try to explain what your your meaning by Votto is the issue because like we just said here he with Castellanos not in the lineup he's probably the best bat in the lineup next to Jonathan India but I would love to, to discuss Jonathan India I, I think yeah he has well okay first of all I think he is the best leadoff hitter the Reds have had in I don't remember when to be honest I mean, I, I go back to, to to Chris Sabo, Bip Roberts, Pete Rose. You know, I mean, those are the three. When I think a leadoff hitter, those, you know, Pete Rose obviously first, but those are the three guys I can think of that were anywhere adequate and good at at leadoff. John, what Jonathan India is doing at, at leadoff with his on base percentage for a rookie is ridiculous. I, I'm I can't be more ecstatic about it because one of the longer they were talking about that India might be a good utility player, dude. He could have been an all-star. He could be rookie of the year. Yeah, he's he's got a legitimate argument. Trevor Rogers may end up winning it from Miami just because he's pitched so amazing, but Jonathan India should be a very close second. He is the best leadoff hitter statistically since 2013, whenever Shinsu Chu was chewing up some on-base percentage. He had an on-base over 430. He had a slugging over 500. He was absolutely phenomenal. And that was that one-year rental that the Reds got, and then handed the reins to Billy Hamilton. Oh, I love <laughs> Billy, but I just uh, yeah, that never did so, work out. I was, uh, dude, I was so excited about Billy Hamilton. I'm like, man, this is gonna be fun. Yeah, dude couldn't take a pitch. And Jonathan oh. India, man, he's got a batter's eye for yes. the ages. Yes. He does not get fooled. And the whole hit by pitch thing, I don't know if that's gonna be like a thing for his career if he's gonna challenge. Oh, Craig Biggio and Huey Jennings or not, but I uh, I just love his ability to get on base, and he still has power. He showed it the other day with that leadoff home run, and whenever you add that all in there, it just it it uh, really just strikes me how much in the most recent years, even just this pe- uh, past preseason, where we talked about Jonathan India only in the vein of boy, what could the Reds get for him? 
Mm-hmm. You know, if they put him in a trade, they could probably get so-and-so, or they could probably get that pitcher, or they could get that dude in the lineup over there. And, man, I'm so glad that they didn't do any of that and that they handed him the leadoff reins because ever since he started leading off, I think his on-base percentage is over 430. It's right there with Shinsu Chu. Didn't quite have the slugging percentage or the strong bat that Chu had, but he still is very adept at dropping in the singles where they ain't and getting on base for Winker and Castellanos behind them to knock him in. I'm glad you brought up Chu. I completely forgot about him. He, he was he was a, a great leadoff hitter for that 2012 team. I totally forgot about him. He's, oh, a, year. he's a hindsight's 2020 sort of, but only because you wish they could have kept him. But the only way they would have kept him is if they ponied up some cash because yeah. the Rangers paid him pretty handsomely in the offseason. So that probably doesn't hey. happen even if you go back in time. But I yeah, it would have been nice if he sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, well, I saw how much the Rangers paid for him. I'm like, I love him, but dude, that's way too much money for him. Anyway, yeah. Jared has a, a a comment on his Joey Votto thing. He said, "When I say issues, I mean it by means of Suarez and Moose clustering situation we have at third. It would clear up a lot of the position issues we have. We have the players in place, but the positions we play them, we are strapped because we don't have a DH." I can kind of see what he means there. He's he's kind of talking about with Votto still there at first base, you could move Moose over to first. You could move a couple of guys over there, but or, that or would also be something play, I want to. Yeah, or you could just not play Gino and put Moose at third. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, that's, to me, that's, I mean, I would not take, I mean, we don't have a DH. I wouldn't take out one of our best hitters to, to right. move Moose over there, which Moose is, right now, it, right now, none of that matters. I mean, Moose is hurt. He's not playing. So you're not moving Votto anyway. So I kind of understand right. what he's saying, but I, I don't. It, 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 there, 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 there's not a, I, in my opinion, there's not a point to it right now because well, one, Moose is hurt, and two, if like I said, when Moose comes back, if Gino doesn't start hitting, I'm taking Gino out of lineup and putting Moose at third and keeping Votto at first. That's that's me. But you if know. if nothing else, at least a righty lefty split. But yeah, it's um. It's definitely a thing. Like uh, the Reds need to be able to explore other options than to just run Gino out there every single day and hope that whatever has not changed to this point suddenly magically flip flops because right. it's just not happening. Yeah, yeah, he's right. It doesn't matter now, but we'll, it will be an issue in the horizon. And that's kind of what I was talking about with with, with the third base issue. And uh, I mean, there's honestly there's part of me, and I, if if that's why I'd love to find out what Lopez could do as far as the future goes, if he can hit. And he's young, I, like, and I, I don't think anybody's going to take these guys off our hands. But I would be almost in, in, in favor of trading Gino and trading Moose if if Lopez can hit like he does in AAA of, of making him the third baseman and next year uh, Lopez and, and Barato as your third baseman and your shortstop. At least we have guys who can catch the ball, and it looks like if they can hit in the majors like they hit in the minors, you got guys who can hit for average and some power. And save that money to keep Nick Castellanos. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, I mean, I don't know. They they kept saying that the money that they were saving on Iglesias and Bradley was going to be repurposed. Oh, yeah. Maybe the break. repurposing was for this. I don't know. Well, I, what did they repurpose? <laughs> Lance McAllister brought that up on my show. He's like, what did they repurpose it for? I He's like, I'm st- I still haven't found an answer to that. I said, neither am I. <laughs> I have no idea. But, Jeff, it is 620, and I appreciate you coming on, right. and I know it's 
Friday night. And actually, I want to wish you a happy anniversary tomorrow. I think it is your anniversary. Well, actually, it's Tuesday, but we're going to celebrate tomorrow. Well, happy anniversary for uh, Tuesday. Thank anyway, you. happy anniversary, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Appreciate dude. It. And we'll definitely have to just get tell everybody where, where they find you, talk about your show and all that stuff before you get out of here. Absolutely, Jeff. You can find me at uh, Jeff Carr with three F's on Twitter. You can find the show at Locked On Reds. You can follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we're now also on YouTube as well. So just look up Locked On Reds. We'll be on the YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, thanks again, uh, Jeff. Always uh, have a good time talking with you. No problem. Hey, do me a favor. Next time you're on your Locked On podcast, just give give Charlie Ash a shout out. You know? yeah, give, give, give me a little love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Take it easy. Thanks, man. See you. See you, buddy. Uh, we, get, we got a super chat here real quick from Hank. What's up? The Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is the dumbest name ever, and their logo is just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I Yeah, I, 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 I saw that come out on Twitter, Hank, and at first I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Who are the Cleveland Guardians? What? I'm like, what? But I mean, I I kind of think they did guardians instead of Indians. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I don't know what well, they could have just been the Cleveland baseball team, like the Washington football team. I, yeah, I they don't think it's a very good name, but it is what it is. I mean, you got the Seattle Kraken. You know, they're running out of names. <laughs> That's the problem. We're running out of names here. But I appreciate the five dollars super chat, Hank. You are the man. L- love it. All righty. So it's like I said, it's about 622. I appreciate every single one of you guys. It is Friday. It's the weekend. Let's get to the YouTube channel. I, I do that every time. The YouTube channel. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I invite all of you guys to join them if you have not joined them yet. They are Hootay Nation. Bengals Nation, Bengals Hootay Nation, Cincinnati Bengals The Jungle, Bearcat Country, V. Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar, and then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Twitter at Jeff A. Trenopole, TikTok at Iceman90. I'll be pulling up the sound later on tonight. So if you missed any of the conversation with Ken Riley the second, talk about his father going into the Ring of Honor, to Jeff Carr and us discussing the Reds. I don't want to see debacle. They might come back. They might not. Uh, like I said, I'm as optimistic as a fan as it gets. But right now, it's I'm trying to live in reality. Doesn't look good. If they don't, if they trade Nick Castellanos, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'll be a 46-year-old man crying because I love that dude. Uh, but you can check that out all on the podcast later on tonight. Um, on Beanpod, Apple iTunes, Spotify. Pretty much wherever you get your podcast, make sure you rate, like, review, download it, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Because you know, sitting there like, you know, I, I get about 10, 15 people downloading or, or listening to my podcast today. I'm like, oh, I think that's pretty good. Talking to Jeff Carr, I think it's about a thousand. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap! All right, I am, whew, I'm peon. I'm way down here. <laughs> so let's try to get that up. Um, YouTubers, my originals. I, I this is where I have the most. Uh, Followers, subscribers, I love it. Appreciate you guys. I'm at 1,000. 
242. We've made some huge jumps the last couple days. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the Super Chats this week, guys. You guys have been awesome. The Bengals training camp starts next week. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. Because you know why? When the season's over, all us Bengals fans are going to be the right, are going to be right. And the Bengals are going to be really, really good. Now, as my boy, Jeremy D's Nuts Dimebag Dean always says, remember one thing and one thing only. And that is, you don't live in Cleveland. Thank God you live in Cincinnati. Who day? Have a great weekend. See you guys Monday. And that's your sports, baby. See ya! You're about to enter the world of strawberry ice and the ice cave. Let's go! You know, league, the league rule was you're not really supposed really to take him out of that conversation. In that he started from absolute I would, trash. I would draft Aziz Ojolari or a, 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 nobody's doing seven step drops in playing, right you know, playing tackle for him. So right. It's almost 22 years old. Devonta Smith, same thing. You, you, you just can't. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. Thought that 2010 that should be in the Hall of Fame, and they put him in after he is gone. Well, that's to fill the stadium. I, I, I remember you guys saying that. It's crazy. Well, I, I see that he's taken uh, the non. But overall, that that line wasn't better. No, um, I, you know they still. You know he's talking to the refs and, and saying, "Hey, I'm not going to get those calls." He's, he's coming. He, he, what, he's oh, yeah. coming. And he'd be in section 158 with me. So we're, these guys have learned basically since they've been in the major leagues. Yeah.